This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. All right, so we're here in the Beautiful Feet Podcast, and um, I've got my friend Travis. Hey, Travis, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Um, so this all kind of started with, I kind of threw something on social media basically saying, I'm watching wrestling. How can I get this into the podcast? You commented. What, what was it you were talking about? Well, you we were talking about uh, wrestling as a form of escape. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of people right now need an escape because these are very trying and challenging times. Yeah. And I was just kind of listing some of the examples that I have as an escape. So um, right now I've been taking very long walks in the neighborhood. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. Mm-hmm. And it's just really important to not only stay physically sharp during this time, which admittingly I'm not doing so great, uh, but stay, staying mentally sharp in this time because, you know, you're cooped in your, in your house under the same roof for so long it tends to make you go a little crazy yeah so just for you know kind of background sake let's give a brief you know what do you do what what do you do when the coronavirus is not taking over the world what's your job well my job is a music teacher so i am i teach music and choir to kindergarten through eighth graders at a fine arts uh, academy and uh, so i usually spend all of my time uh, teaching the little ones how to make music and teaching the older ones how to sing it. There you go. It um, keeps me quite busy. Oh, I know. I know because I've seen you work. It's crazy how much you put into it. It's fantastic. So I imagine, you know, because what? Schools have been shut down for what, the last, what, month and a half around? How long have yeah, they been shut? Yeah, we, we went to spring break uh, in the middle of March. And uh, we didn't know at the time that uh, spring break would mean summer break. <laughs> Uh, but we, uh, we have been officially, uh, well, it started with a two week, um, mm-hmm. two week delay. And then of course now it's turned into a end of the school year. We are canceled kind of thing. Um, yeah. but I do want to take the chance to, to point out that just because, um, the building is closed doesn't mean that the teachers stop working. I'm okay. actually getting paid, uh, my regular salary right now. And the same hours are expected for us to, um, submit things online. And so we've been reaching out with our kids online uh, through great platforms, such as the one we're using right now, which is Zoom. Zoom. Um, but we're also using Google Classroom and a few other platforms to, uh, in an attempt, you know, because there's only so much you can do without physically being there, but in an attempt to uh, bring some kind of education to these kids at home. So the work has not stopped. It's just changed quite a little bit. Yeah. And, and we'll I- be going until May. Uh, until the official summer break has actually started. Yeah, and and I imagine, you know, and I got to say, you know, thank you for doing all that. And this goes out to like all the teachers because it's a, first of all, teaching itself is a difficult task. Not to mention teaching from home to a bunch of kids who are at home. And, you know, we can only hope that they're really putting their time and effort into any kind of education at this point. Yeah, yeah so, we're, we're, we're doing our best to uh, engage and, and keep the, the, the kids busy and keep their minds sharp, just as we're trying to keep our minds sharp during this time. Oh, yeah, I imagine. I mean, I'm still working my regular, my job, I'm still going to work every day. So 
to me, this all seems normal. I go to work, I come home, I hang out around, you know, and then I hang out around the house, eventually go to bed and continue my day to, you know, the next day. But, you know, for those who do not go to work or who are working from home, this is a whole different platform and a whole different thing. Yeah, my my wife actually pointed out a really good saying. She found this meme online. I know the the, the internet's uh, are uh, have, have a lot of different memes going on right now. Some funny and some helpful. But she found a really helpful meme online that actually had a really great quote um, that said, uh, "We're all in the same boat, but we're all facing a different storm." Ooh. And I thought that that was a really just intriguing quote because it's you know it's referring you know we're all in the same boat. It's all the same. Uh, virus and we're all Mm -hmm. facing the same challenges with quarantine right now but you know some people are facing different storms Um, Mm -hmm. you know for me life's going on and for you Mm -hmm. life is going on we're still going to work we still have things we need to do and 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 thank god we still uh, have paychecks and meals to come home to and shelters over our heads but so you know while our storm is a little bit of a of a, a sprinkle if you will you know other people have it a lot harder you know, some, some people are losing their jobs. Some people are, uh, are, um, uh, filing for unemployment. Yeah. So, you know, we're all in the same boat, but we're facing, uh, much, much different, um, uh, challenges. Yeah. And, and, and here I go bringing you onto my podcast to talk about wrestling and you drop a gem like that. Just <laughs> so on full time. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to keep it going. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, and I, that's fantastic to look at it that way. Um, but let's kind of set that aside. Let's, let's jump into wrestling. We just finished WrestleMania the first time with no audience. And the first time it was spread over two nights. What do you, let's talk about that real quick. How do you feel about it two nights? Well, I, I feel like they were trying to um, make the most of the situation as yeah. I feel a lot of people are doing right now. And so yeah. I, I, when I initially saw that they were doing the whole tagline of it's too big for two nights, my initial reaction was to laugh. Um, but then I really got to thinking about it and uh, you know, it just proved to me that, you know, everyone's trying to put a good lid, lid on it and be a good sport. And I think that's what uh, WWE was trying to do at that point. Um, and just trying to create a positive spin on it, not only for themselves, but as a marketing standpoint, you know, if they were to just say, oh, it's now a two night event without any explanation, people mm-hmm. would think, oh, immediately think, oh, it's because of the coronavirus in our current yeah. times. But if you spin it in a positive way enough, it gets people excited about it. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, it's the and first time that it's been two nights just because we have so many matches and we can't do it all. They, yeah, they had six, what, 16 matches. I think it was like eight a night. It was a lot, yeah. It was, it was, so I couldn't imagine them trying to fit that. I mean, recently, Mania has been seven hours. Like, so it would have been about the same amount of time, but I, I kind of like it chunked up. It makes it easier for me to digest that I'm a fan. I'm not even the casual. Um, but I also like, yes, they had no audience, but I felt like they did really well with making you forget about the audience and just enjoying the match. I thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the matches. Yeah. And they had a lot of really creative ways to um, capture the same amount of excitement uh, without the fans. You know, you think about Mm -hmm. this, this, the, I'm not going to say sport of wrestling, but the pageantry of wrestling. Yes. Where it so much relies on the crowd and the crowd's energy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with as soon as you take that away, it's not the same product anymore. And so they did a lot of really creative way, uh, things uh, to make you feel that excitement. Um, you know, they, they shifted the camera to uh, looking at, at the front of the stage and they didn't concentrate on camera views that would have had, that would have shown a lot of blank Seats. chairs. Yeah. I don't um, even think they had chairs up, which was cool. I don't think they did either. They filled it with a lot of different colored panels. And if you also notice too, um, this is one of the things that uh, my wife and I were, were quick to point out is that the wrestlers were making a lot of noises and they were a lot more vocal. And yeah. I, I turned to my wife and I say, you, you know that they gave those wrestlers instructions before they went out to be more vocal and to be more loud because mm-hmm. if you're not, you get all of this dead silence. And that would, have made, that. that would have made the product very um, weird and very awkward. <laughs> so you fill that yeah. up with as much noise as possible so you don't get those awkward silences and it kind of keeps the excitement going. Well, and it's one of those things that like even even Jessica, like she was watching with me and even she was like, I can hear them talking and yelling at each other and talking trash. And it kind of kept her engaged because she is not a wrestling fan, but it kept her moving in, in the momentum of what they were doing. And then they had the, the uh, two matches where it was purely production cinematic and it was beautiful both of them were awesome in my opinion i loved them yeah i went in i went into watching it very um you know with an open mind and 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 saying like hey they have room to be creative here and therefore i should get a little excited about it because it makes them think about their product in a whole different kind of way i thought the undertaker aj styles match was very cinematic and very cool Mm -hmm. Uh, i had a lot of homages to the old you know 90s attitude era um uh undertaker and then on the other side you had bray wyatt and john cena uh i'm sorry the fiend bray wyatt yeah come um, on now very just um very bizarre match but we all knew it would be very bizarre before we watched it and i think that just increased the excitement even more and had great references um it really led you through the progression of both of the men's careers and uh it had a very satisfying ending too all yeah. very cinematic for sure it was very exciting. I loved it let me just say this I can watch both of those matches again and still be as giddy as I was the first time because you know there's always those matches where you're like hey it was great the first time but if I watched it for a second or third time it's gonna lose its thunder because those were shot so well and told such a great story I could probably watch them multiple times over I'm definitely going to go back and watch uh, at least the, the Fiend John Cena one again, because just to pick up on all of the references. Oh, there was so many. I was like laughing so frantically hard. I loved it. Um, but let's talk about like, how did you get into wrestling? Let's go into the history of you, your connection with wrestling and how that happened. I think it started the same way that it starts for a lot of people. Uh, you have a friend who's really into it. Yeah. And they say, hey, you got to watch this. (laughs) And you're like, this is stupid. And then you're like, actually. I remember my watching my very first SmackDown and I watched my very first SmackDown on the phone with one of my best friends at the time. And, And we used to do that. We used to chat on the phone for hours and hours and hours. And it wouldn't always be a phone conversation. We would watch an episode of TV together, like on the phone at the same time. And you wouldn't even talk? And we wouldn't even talk. Like we would just watch or 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 do these activities, uh, just be holding the phone to our faces and talking whenever we want. And this was back, 
this was back in the early 2000s when nobody really had a cell phone yet. So yeah. I was talking on my landline and my, my dad would burst in the room and tell me to hang up because he needs to make a call. <laughs> uh, but we would, you know, we would do everything from watching TV shows to playing video games. Um, we were really big nerds uh, in early middle school and high school and we used to play the Yu-Gi-Oh card game. Mm -hmm. So we would actually straight up have Yu-Gi-Oh duels uh, over the phone. Oh, that's which, which was always always really funny to me because at any time any one of us cheated because uh, <laughs> we were on the phone and nobody was looking at our hands or our cards or anything. Yeah. We always had this just general, general rule that nobody would cheat, and there was just an honesty code about it. Yeah. Um. So he he invited me to watch this episode of SmackDown, and um. So I, I tune in, and I'll never forget the very first match I saw, and this is uh this is. I started getting into wrestling about the, it was like that awkward transition area between the attitude and the ruthless aggression area. There was, there was still a lot of attitude in the product, mm -hmm. um, but, but it was very clear that they wanted to move. They in would, yeah, it they was were tampering it down. Yeah. It was very, uh, it was very clear that they were ready to move in different directions because stone cold was gone. The rock was gone. Um, so the very first match that I saw was actually a gauntlet match. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I don't remember too much of all the competitors in the match, but I remember it was like Chris Benoit <laughs> against some other guy and uh, Edge comes out. And I remember my friend saying, oh, yeah, this guy's really cool. And then I remember John Cena coming out and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's OK. Uh, <laughs> OK. <laughs> uh, but this this was, you know, this was ruthless aggression Cena at the time. and. Oh, um, no. I remember seeing my very first 619 out of that match too. And, and, you know, I was just immediately hooked. And then from mm -hmm. there, I, I, I wanted to watch more raw tapings. Yeah. Um, the, the raw tapings at the time went from like nine o'clock at night to midnight. So I used to remember my dad coming in and, uh, um, you know, telling me to go to bed. I couldn't finish the episodes. Oh, that's um, I'll never worst. forget my first WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 20. And uh, they had some good matches in WrestleMania 20. Uh, John Cena beat the Big Show for his very first championship. He won the mm -hmm. United States Championship. Um, there were two main events at that. They were they were they were at Madison Square Garden, and uh, it was uh, Kurt Angle against Eddie Guerrero. Wow! Uh, where where there we Eddie, go. Eddie gets the win and establishes himself as the, as the top babyface in the company, and then you also had a, a triple threat match. Uh, between Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. And I just remember that being an amazing match at WrestleMania 20. So um, just from there, it's just all history, you know? Yeah. We, we, we quickly turned those phone calls into going over to each other's houses and watching and, mm -hmm. and having WrestleMania parties. And, um, you know, it's just amazing how much wrestling will introduce you to other people. I mean, if memory serves me correctly, I don't think I would have ever met you. Uh, if it wasn't for wrestling, because at the time I was hosting a WrestleMania party over at my apartment uh, when I was going to NAU, and I had known Herbert, who's a good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And uh, Herbert says, "Hey, yeah, I know this guy named Anthony who's uh, really into wrestling. You should. Is it is it cool if we invite him?" And uh, so that was definitely you know the pivotal point of when I met you. And yeah, I think wrestling just as with any other product, as with any other escape, um, brings uh, people together. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I grew up, I watched wrestling from, I mean, my older brother watched it. He's a good seven years older than me. So I was a, I was a little boy, and I remember watching promos from The Undertaker and Bam Bam Bigelow 
And like dudes who from like the early nineties, like Razor of a Moan and the one, two, three kid, like these dudes who, you know, and I watched all the way up till I want to say the beginning of college. And I just, because of college or whatever it was, I didn't get to watch it as much. Um, and there was times even in high school where I kind of weaned away from it for a while. Um, because out of all my friends, I was really the only person who watched it on a regular basis. Um, but it, then, you know, out of nowhere, like you said, Herbert hit, you know, hit me up and was like, we're going over to, you know, this dude named Travis's house. We're going to watch wrestling. And that was the very first time I got to watch WrestleMania because at that time, WrestleMania was like, it was a pay-per-view. Yep. And, and my family was like, we are not dropping 50 to 60 whatever dollars on a pay-per-view. It's not happening. So I've never, at that point, never got to see a pay-per-view, especially Mania. And ever since then, you and I finally sat down, we watched Mania. And I think you and I made it a habit of every Monday I was at your apartment watching wrestling, I would walk home to back to my dorm room, go to bed, get a few hours of sleep, wake up and go to school. Like it was just, and we, we built this bond over wrestling. So yeah, wrestling is one of those things that when you immerse yourself in it, just like any culture, you meet people. I mean, I wear wrestling shirts to like work or I'll wear wrestling shirts to the grocery store and people will instantly be like, Hey, did you watch this? Did you see that? And it builds that bond instantly. Yeah, I, I always get uh, people who see me in different places and like I'll be wearing a shirt and they'll be, oh, right on. Or, oh, hey, yeah, I like that guy. Or, you know, it's just amazing what kind of comes out of the woodwork because you you never know, you know. You're, yeah. You, uh, you're always in out in public and you're you're faced with all of these different strangers and, and you just mm -hmm. never know what people are into. And I think that's the really cool thing about the expression of being able to wear your favorite superstar shirts yeah. or or, or just to wear their symbols, their clothing, you know, it really helps uh, people to get to know you in a very quick way. And they're very easy uh, conversation starters. Hey, I do want to point out before we continue, yeah. uh, get used to paying for WrestleMania again, because I've actually been seeing online that WWE is thinking about going back to a paid WrestleMania model. Um, and that's because uh, UFC and uh, other uh, uh, big fighting promotions, you know, they've, they are starting to prove that people are actually willing to pay for a, the big fight. So I've actually heard some rumors that WWE is going to continue the WWE network uh, subscription and you can get all of your pay-per-views uh, on there without mania beginning next year. And so if you're going to want to watch mania, you have to shell out that $60 price tag again, because uh, UFC <sighs> boxing and different other um, organizations are proving with their models that people are still willing to pay. Mm. and you know we're it's probably right i mean you know even if they take it away from us I'll, i'm probably still going to be a sucker and go out and buy it anyways <laughs> then i'll be i'll be at your part your house there and you i'll, I'll hey, slide I, you a 20 i yeah i'll just say i i chip in for the pay-per-view and you chip in for the pizza my friend there it is we can <laughs> we, we can manage this this is fine um but yeah i mean and that kind of makes sense as long as they keep the network ever since uh, you and i got the network the day it came out, the day this network came out. And at first I was kind of iffy about it because I watched it and I was like, oh, there's not a lot on there. And then they grew a, a library that I'm just like baffled by. You can go watch wrestling from the, like the seventies. You could watch from the sixties, seventies. You can go by genre, like 
their library is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Yeah, I wasn't sold at first, but then they announced that you'd get every pay-per-view included in the $10 price. And I just, I was like sold because you know that they're at fit, you could either pay 50 bucks a pop per month to see all of their pay-per-views or you can pay $10 a month, get all of this great access to all of this other stuff. Oh, and by the way, all of your pay-per-views are thrown in with the cost. I mean, it's, it was a done, done deal. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, so wrestling has always been that thing where like you said it's that escape it allows you to i guess leave your life behind for a moment enjoy something but one thing i love about wrestling is they they do a really good job at giving you characters and storylines that are still relatable it's not so fantastic where you're like oh this is fake but like so like one of the storylines i always think back on is um CM Punk versus uh, Jericho, where Jericho's basically making fun of CM Punk for um, being straight edge and having family members in, in, in that had substance addictions. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is something I could relate to, but at the same time, enjoy from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, and I, I really thought that uh, CM Punk was a good sport throughout that whole storyline. Oh, my I th- gosh. I think, I think he acknowledged, uh, acknowledged the darkness of his past. And I, and I think ultimately he agreed to do the storyline because he, he knew that it might help someone who might be watching it. Yeah. So and- I think he agreed to play along just, just so that maybe somebody who was going through similar situations, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could give them a storyline to watch and a character to believe in. Yeah. And, and, and I, that was my biggest thing. When I came back to wrestling, it was because I started seeing characters that I could look at and go, I understand his motive. I understand her motive and why they're making the choices that they make. Like John Cena, I could understand why he was such a big component on being the good guy and being kind of squeaky clean and being family friendly because he's looking at the kid in the front row wearing a John Cena shirt going, I'm representing that kid. You know what I mean? So so to me, I was always able to like understand his motive and look at it from that point of view and go, okay, now I understand why they're playing this out the way they are. Yeah. And just like wrestlers, you know, develop over time, uh, their characters develop, but I think the humans playing those characters really develop too. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned John Cena, you know, he started out with this ruthless aggression character that obviously wasn't working very much for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was about ready, his career was going to be over. And then he found this, uh, you know, this skill that he had at improv rapping. And, you know, it was attitude and uh, ruthless aggression. And, you know, his raps weren't all of, all that family friendly. No. And, you know, he played a gangster-like character. But, you know, what? at the time, it's what worked, and it saved his career, and he kept going with it. Yeah. But, you know, you're right. As he started to get very popular and he started to gain a lot of traction, he noticed that a lot of kids were into it. And I think it forced him to kind of think, like, oh, I need to be setting a better example for these kids. Mm-hmm. So you saw this progression of this character, the, you know, once again, character, mm-hmm. where it's John Cena as this gangster – um, begin to get a softer side and, and, and to begin to have a side that has purpose, that mm-hmm. serves the community, that serves his country, that serves other people through a positive character. And I think that didn't just morph into something overnight. It's just something that gradually happened because yeah. he knows the need to do that. 
And based on the documentary, um, the Ruthless Aggression, like documentary series that they're doing, like I loved it because, and I haven't watched the newest episode, but the one focused on Cena, they, it looked like Cena was the one who went to like the office and said, guys, if we're going to go more PG, then I need to change my, like not image, but yeah, I need to start working that in because there's so many kids watching because we're going family friendly, but he still like, and like, he still has that tenacity of like, you don't want to put him in a corner because he's going to fight his way out. And to me, that's one of those, like, I love those. I love the underdog story. (laughs) Yeah. I love the underdog story. I don't care who it is, whether it's John Cena back when he was the underdog, uh, Becky Lynch, because she's always the underdog. Uh, I mean, the underdog story is my absolute favorite, and wrestling is the perfect place to get it. For sure. Oh, yeah. uh, you, you bring up John Cena. The first wrestler that I thought of was uh, Shawn Michaels. There and we go. You, you talk about the progression of a character. Um, Shawn Michaels is a little bit different of an example because he kind of kept his outlandish character. If you noticed, he kept his theme song. You know, he kept his dancing you know, they think I'm cute. They think, they I'm, think sexy. I'm sexy. You know, like he kept the same theme song. Um, but while his character didn't necessarily waver, the man behind the character definitely changed over time. Yeah. So, and so I'm actually really excited to read his book. If any of our listeners haven't read his book, I'm, I, I know uh, Anthony here uh, thought it was a good read. So I'm definitely excited to jump into it. But it's uh, basically about Shawn Michaels finding God yes uh, through his trials and tribulations as a wrestler and so i'm actually really excited to read that um but uh you know the first thing i thought of uh when you were mentioning that of course was Shawn michaels because he had this character and uh especially going through the attitude era um with triple h it was yeah. you know were degeneration x they were the degenerates and they did all of these outlandish crazy things and um even when they bring dx back um after uh, in mm-hmm. this current era, you know, Sean doesn't always participate in everything that they're doing. I remember one scene in particular where they were partying, partying and all of these girls were going to lift their shirts and, you know, flash to the camera or whatever. But you, right before that, you see Sean say something dumb like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom or I'm getting more food or something. And then he goes off. And so, you know, I, you, you yes. have this willingness to be a good sport and to be, a, you know, to continue the character and continue to be that character that sells and pushes viewership mm-hmm. and audiences. But deep down inside, you have this man who's just grown through yeah. all of his experiences to eventually find God. I think it's going to be a really terrific story. So um, you told me about the novel. Uh, I encourage anybody to pick it up. I'm excited to start listening. It's a really, it's an easy read. It's not difficult, um, but you're going to listen. You're going to listen to it. But either way, like it's, it's it's a real life story you know it's him talking about his trials his tribulations his areas of brokenness and just walking through that and going hey because of this moment is when i connected with god and when i found myself needing that that assistance but um i love the that what you were talking about with him growing as a man because let's face it most wrestlers when they when you first meet them as far as you know on tv they're probably pretty young, somewhere between the age of 20 to 25, right? Like they're probably really young. I don't know how old he is now, but let's just say he's much older, you know, 
So he should grow as a man because if he's still playing a 21-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, nobody wants – like, that's not going to be realistic. Um, but I remember that scene because, again, the, the, the ladies are going to, like, flash the, the D-Generation X. And he's like, oh, I'm – but they, he, he never said, oh, I can't be partake in that. It was always something stupid of, like, oh – I forgot my jacket over there. And then he's like, oh, did I miss? He'll come back into frame. What did I miss? And they're like, don't worry about it, dude. And he's like, dang it. You know, it was always some really, you know, ridiculous way. Um, but yeah, him as a man, he went through drug addiction. He went through so many things that he's going to talk about in the book that like, you know, that just brings it back. And he's like, hey, I needed Jesus in my life to kind of bring me to where I'm at now. Um, and he's not talking about fame. He's not talking about fortune. He's actually talking about the, the other side of it. Like, yeah, I had fame, but that didn't do a whole lot as far as create happiness. Um, so it's a fantastic read. It, you know, I probably will end up reading it again, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and talk about somebody who absolutely rode the highest of the highs and mm -hmm. then hit rock bottom. And once he hit rock bottom, you know, he knew that uh, no matter whatever he accomplished in this life didn't matter, mm -hmm. uh, you know, without without uh, having a relationship with God. So I thought it was, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm really excited to hear the story and to see how that all culminates. Yeah, it's, it's good. And I mean, and I've actually... I, I don't get a whole lot of time to read, or let me rephrase that. I don't make a whole lot of time to read. Um, but when I read wrestling books, I've read, obviously I've read Shawn Michaels. I've actually read um, uh, JR's book, um, Slobberknocker. That's fantastic. You should definitely grab that one. Um, I've read Daniel Bryan's book that came out, I believe it was around WrestleMania 30, because that's when he won his big title. Yeah. Um, and so I've read that and all of them are, you know, it's again, it's that underdog story. And so I always love celebrating the underdog because I always feel like in many cases I am that underdog. And I feel like that's always a really relatable um, character to latch onto. Um, so that was always my connection with wrestling. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and again, it brings that escape of I'm immersing myself in a story, something that's entertaining. So and, yeah. and stories that you can relate to. Yeah, I think that's big right now. And, um, you know, as we uh, go through these very unprecedented times, because these are very unprecedented times. And, and uh, this is something that a lot of us have not experienced before yeah you know i think everyone is looking for an escape now as i was saying in in our original social media post that kind of inspired the the thoughts of this episode in that um you know everyone's looking for the escape but that escape looks different for a lot of people mm -hmm. you know for for me it was walks in the neighborhood listening to audiobooks and i do that every single day i've been taking very long walks and i've already finished about five books in about three and a half weeks Nice. Um, but, uh, you know, for other people, such as my wife, my wife's been throwing herself into work. She's actually mm -hmm. been embracing her job even more mm -hmm. um, because she had she works as a music therapist, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know. And uh, music therapy, you have to see your clients. You have to be there with them. You have to be physical with them. And so you take that away. 
um, she basically uh, found a way for them to keep continue to do meetings um, through what's called telehealth. And she had to find the platform that would allow them um, to do these sessions online with their clients. And that took a great amount of time. So, you know, she's thrown herself into her work. But I know for a lot of other people, I've seen some of my colleagues, um, teacher friends, you know, I've seen them do live uh, baking and live cooking. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of people sewing things and making things. It's Our former uh, principal, by the way, um, she, uh, she just retired this year, um, but she's been using this time off every single day to go down to the food shelter and volunteer her time there. So there's been lots of these really great examples of ways of escape because, you know, we all want to escape. We, we hear the coronavirus everywhere. We hear it in, you know, the TV, we hear it on the radio. Um, you're simply in inundated with it and reminded of it all the time, not even turning on your TV or your radio, but just by sitting in your house because you know you're stuck in your home and you can't go anywhere. Yeah. And so people are possibly uh, always trying to look for the next possible escape. And a lot of those that we just listed, wrestling, watching TV, cooking, volunteering, and working are all positive, but you know on the other side of it, there are also people finding some pretty bad escapes right now. Yeah. You, know, you know there are people who are probably um, you know, looking into drugs. You know, there are people who are probably drinking a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a drinker. I'm not an alcoholic or anything like that. And I don't drink too much in excess, but I'll be the first to admit I've been drinking a little bit more since being in quarantine. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people who were kind of borderline on the edge are finding that as a negative way to find an escape too. Um, you know, there might be people who are uh, abusers in their homes who are abusing their family members. And since their family members are there with them, you know, they're taking out their frustration on a lot of people. So I think it's important to know all of the really great positive escapes. Yeah. But there are also a lot of really negative escapes out there, too. Well, and, and th th that's what I was going to point out is the simple fact of like, yes, wrestling is an escape and TV and movies are escapes, but you don't want to just sit for 12 hours a day watching wrestling like you're going to burn out you're going to get frustrated so i love the fact that some of the examples you gave were creative right they were sewing they were baking they were creating something um i was speaking with a i have a podcast community we all have our own podcasts and we kind of bounce ideas off each other's and different things uh and they're like the best thing we can do right now is come up with creative and and engaging content so that people can escape so we're not doing every episode like oh here's coronavirus you know 2020 episode 72 we don't need that we need people to like hey just because this is happening let's still be creative yes we're in our homes but you can you can read a book you can write a book you can create something, you can do something in that time. And that's what I'm trying to do. Again, I'm still working, so I have less time to be creative, but I'm still coming home going, okay, how can I break my day up so I'm not watching TV from the time I get home to the time I go to bed being lazy? Yeah, I, you know, I was mentioning to my wife about what a time it is for artists yes. to, be, to, be, to be, you know, artistic. And, um, you know, I, I remember turning it to her and I'm, and I think we were watching 
uh, a special the other day. By the way, the the living room concert idea is really taking off. I don't know if you've I know. seen any uh, favorite artists do stuff, but uh, all on social media. And of course, they're doing TV shows now mm-hmm. and, and TV specials where artists of all different kinds of music backgrounds are performing and making music from their living rooms. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember turning to my wife and saying, you know, how much... Uh, how, how much good new music are we going to get out of this quarantine? Like when we, when, when life returns to normal and we all hope and pray that it will, but when life returns to normal, you know, how much brand new music is going to be out there simply because all of these great artists who are normally, you know, uh, so overwhelmed by tour schedules and music videos and autograph that, signings and all that, this, and that, all of the business side of music, like how much good brand new music are we going to get simply because these artists are in their living rooms and they're bored and they have time to create new things. And so I think that's, that's for all of us right now. I, what a great time to really isolate yourself, you know, make that song, go write that book, you know, um, go uh, make that, uh, make that new recipe you've always been trying to make. Like it's it's such a great time to just be by yourself and be yourself and let yourself express yourself creatively. And while you're doing that, get the WWE network and just watch WrestleMania. It's great. (laughs) Or you can do that. (laughs) I mean, consume other people's artistic ideas. And like I said, while you're doing that, right? So while you're working on the book, because I don't like silence, I have to have noise going on in the background. I'll throw on a TV show I've seen already. It doesn't matter. I'll throw on wrestling and I'll just write, I'll read, I'll do something creative so that I am productive so that I am creating and so that I am able to, you know, when this is done, I agree with you. We're going to have amazing pieces of art because people, people are generally creative because we, we are created by a God who is like creative, right? The God that created us 100% has a creative mind. Therefore, we also have that creative mind. We're going to create through this because that's how we get through. You know, I mean, yeah. from everything from movies to books to comic books, the comic book industry right now is kind of at a standstill. But I have a feeling that after this, we're going to see a whole new batch of characters. And because it's going to be birthed out of this tragedy or this crazy moment we're in, it's, it's going to bloom into something great because of that creativity. Yeah. I think we're already beginning to see it too in different forms. You know, people, people in general as, as a species are very, um, you, like you said, creative and we're also very resilient. Yes. You know, when, when we are forced with, Hey, you have to stay in your home and you have to stay put. Well, now what do you do? Well, I'm going to make stuff and I'm going to create things. I'm going to do new things. You know, how much of that WrestleMania, how many of those WrestleMania segments that we saw tonight, uh, most particularly the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse. I mean, you know, how creative was that? And also, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure in a business like WWE, there are teams of writers that Mm -hmm. assist them with these kinds of things. But particularly in the Firefly Funhouse match, I was looking over at my wife and I'm saying, how much of this is just Bray Wyatt and just his thinking? You know, he's easily one of the most talented wrestlers, sure. 
but I think he creatively, he's a, he's a guy that just thinks out of the box. You know, most of his stuff, most of his stuff and his storylines comes from him. I know. And he's always got this really great way of reinventing himself when his act gets stale. Mm-hmm. You know, it started out with this cult figure and, you know, he had the Wyatt family. And then as soon as that began to got stale, you know, bam, we get this fiend character. Yeah. And so creative minds, you know, you can't just box them in a living room and tell them to stay still. And so I think, uh, I agree with you. We're going to see, like, like I said, a bunch of different art come from this because simply because people are creative, they're resilient, and they're also very bored. <laughs> and so when you add those three things together, you're going to get some really great pieces of art as we saw with the WrestleMania match tonight because I have a feeling most of what we saw in these really creative, fun matches were just because these – these wrestlers who are used to the busy schedules of touring and performing live, yeah. they're not doing that anymore. And so no. it, they finally get a chance to sit and write and really think about their characters and what they're doing. So I think wrestling is a good example of that, but I think we're going to see that everywhere from wrestling to music, to poetry, to books, uh, to dancing, to, mm-hmm. I mean, to just every TV shows and everything in the media, we're going to get this really just creative renaissance because mm-hmm. people are resilient creative and yes very bored there we go i honestly think with the bray wyatt match and character especially in in this year's mania i like i agree with you it probably was bray wyatt and john cena sitting in a room or speaking how how we're doing now on zoom or however and just going hey let's talk about this hey let's put this in a match wouldn't it be funny to have john cena do this and da 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 because John Cena as a man is such a good sport about he's willing to make fun of himself. When you guys watch this match, he makes fun of himself in every aspect of his career from the ruthless aggression to Dr. Thugonomics to the whole thing. He makes fun of it all. And he's such a good sport for doing so because some, some wrestlers have such big egos that oh you're not gonna make me look bad and John Cena's like make me look like a fool let's make it entertaining for those watching at home like it's amazing yeah you know there's a really wild rumor going around that oh, uh, no. since he's lost um this uh this fiend character this demon if you will is going to possess him and uh he's going to turn heel so be on the lookout for that um you know <laughs> I would be su- I would definitely be surprised only because WWE has fought so hard not to have him become heel. You know, why would they let him do it now? But I think he's a, in a point in his, his career where he's, he's very much like The Rock was, like right when he decided to be leaving and to be absent a little bit, yeah. um, in that he's focusing more on other things, um, especially in Hollywood and with movies. You know, why not? Why not be a little creative with it? Why not make that heel turn? You know, what does he yeah. have to lose? Nothing. You know, he's obviously young enough to where if, if he wanted to go out as a face, he could eventually snap out of it and go out with a bang and, you know, win that 17th title because he's tied with Flair right now mm-hmm. uh, and, and finally have that just, ah, you know, I, I, I was able to come back and talk about a really great story that would be too. You have this man who we've been talking about through this podcast episode of being, you know, um, this great character who eventually developed because the man behind the character said he needed to. 
You know, he needed to be a better example for these kids. And, you know, 16 world titles later, he's losing to The Fiend and he's being possessed by The Fiend. And what a cool story it would be for him to kind of go through that, and, but as well to overcome it or have someone snap him out of it yeah. so that he could finally return to the old John Cena we all know and then eventually retire. So, so I really don't think they have anything to lose with turning him with that, but I think it would be really, really cool if they did. And how much, how much greater would that make The Fiend in that story? Because The Fiend is such a great character, and I'm so glad they're taking him seriously because Bray Wyatt has so many great characters that just never got taken seriously. This one, they seem to be just giving it the whole push, and it's fantastic because I think that's going to lead to greater matches down the line where the fiend could have a posse behind him of like demented souls or something, you know, he's collected. Yeah. You know, similarly to the way, you know, the fiend always carries around this lantern that has the old Bray Wyatt head, which is supposed to symbolize that, you know, he's, he owns him. He controls him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Bray Wyatt is possessed by him. Mm -hmm. And so if you start having these other characters who he's beaten, um, become his little helpers. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. And to have somebody as strong and enigmatic as uh, John Cena, that would be very, a very compelling storyline. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It and, would be. You know, and, you know, even though tonight wasn't, tonight wasn't really a match, there wasn't a referee. Um, no. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was watching it and I was equally parts confused and entertained (laughs) and just wondering if I wasn't on drugs myself watching it, you know? Um, But I think it was a, it was a fascinating match. And even though there was no referee, it was pretty obvious who the winner was. Of course. When one is on the mat and the other one's standing up going like this, hands in the air. As as the segment ends, you know, I think it's, uh, I I definitely think it was a nod to uh, Bray Wyatt and the work that he's done. And I think it was a nod from the company that they're ready to continue his character and to continue to push him moving forward. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, dude, like I kind of want to just, you know, pause it there. We're just going to go ahead because we're going to continue this conversation on another podcast because I'm definitely having you back on. Part two. Part two. Here we go. But (laughs) I do have to say, I agree with you through this whole crazy time we're going through. I'm definitely seeing art happening, music, books, creativity is going to be shooting out of our our pores because we need to create. And I think that's like the biggest, I guess, takeaway we can pull from this is if you're at home, you're sitting on your couch, do something creative. Find some hobby you want to try, you want to do, and uh, pursue that. Jump into something new. Yeah, and we were talking about escapes. Mm-hmm. That is your positive way of having an escape. You know, don't don't turn to the negative stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. This is a great time to create. And I think creativity within itself, through God, of course, of course. is that escape. And I think, I think we'll have a lot of people creating some really great artistic things simply because they need that escape from the everyday stuff that's going on right now. Absolutely. All right, dude. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to cut it there. But I'm definitely having you back. Um, it's been a pleasure. You are the very first guest of the podcast. Hey, so what an honor. Congratulations. It's yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. All right, man. All right, I'll talk to you in a little while. All right. 
Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the section of the podcast where we go ahead and jump into uh, the scripture. And it's no coincidence that we're going over this scripture right around the time of Easter, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Jessica, go ahead and walk us through a recap of uh, Acts chapter 16. Alrighty, here's our recap of Acts chapter 16. So, kind of the main points that we're looking at here, we see Timothy joining Paul and Silas in the beginning of the chapter, and then they're kind of wondering about where to go. So, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, hey, you should you should come here. So, he travels to Philippi, which is um, kind of a leading city in that district, and there we see Lydia, the seller of purple cloth. She is converted. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. A fantastically miraculous earthquake happens, and that causes the jailer and his family to also become believers. Thank you. Um, So we're jumping into Acts 17, and by God's grace and like God's perfect plan, this actually falls in line. With Easter now, when you guys are hearing this podcast, it's Monday, but um, that doesn't mean we can't celebrate Easter even the day after, like or remember Jesus in this time. So let's go over Acts chapter seventeen again. We're not going over the whole chapter; we're going over bits and pieces. So please read along with us. But let's actually start from verse uh, one to verse about four. Would you mind reading that for me, please? Oh, yes. Let me just get there. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 4. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphiopolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So the first thing I want to point out, and I I love the fact that this came, again, on this week, because... He says, um, while they're in Thessalonica, you know, he goes to the synagogue and he starts speaking um, from the scriptures, right? So, from the, the scriptures that the Jewish, like the Jewish tradi- tradition already follow and understand, he's looking at that and saying, this proves that Jesus was and is the Messiah, right? What, what is your thought on that? Well, during this chapter, we see Paul in Thessalonica, we see him in Berea, and we see him in Athens. And we know that in each one of these different areas, like the Bereans are searching through the scriptures, the people of Athens, it's like they want to hear the message, but they have a lot going on. Yeah, but I love that, right? I love the fact that like he's saying, he's looking at their scriptures and saying, look, I know you you think the Messiah is coming. I'm here to tell you he's already have come. The man that was hung on the cross was that Messiah. 
And I love the scripture, the fact that it even says, you know, a lot of people became, became believers, but um, not everybody. Like, there are some people who mocked him, some people who were like, you know, just didn't believe it, right? They, they pushed away from that truth. Um, but, and I think that's still what's going to happen today, right? Some people are going to hear about church or hear about Jesus and some people are going to be drawn to it in this time of year or in this time that we're facing. They're going to be drawn to that hope that Jesus brings us. But there's going to be those individuals who maybe they just need more proof or they just have a lot of questions. They have a lot going on. Well, and we also see that it looks like Paul has stayed with them for an extended amount of time because the Sabbath. At least, yeah, go ahead. That would be to have three Sabbaths. That's like, what, a month? Roughly a month, yeah. Around thereabout. So this isn't a one-shot. This is weekly. He's going to the synagogue and speaking to the people about Jesus. And he has a message that is clearly reaching different demographics, whether it's the population of people who were Jewish, and then there's also people who were Greek in background, and for some women, prom- for some reason, prominent women have a third separate category, but that's all right. That's cool, hey. too. You know, it's a message for everyone, and that still resonates today. And basically, um, was it the Jewish leaders later on? Not long after, yeah, it says, uh, verse 5 But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men, um, of the of the rabble, uh, they formed a mob, they set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring out the crowd. So basically, these Jewish men did not like the fact that Paul and Silas were speaking about Jesus um, as the Messiah. So they basically start a riot, and they're looking for Paul and Silas. And this is what's going to cause Paul and Silas to like flee, right? To, and that because they flee, um, they're a- Paul's able to preach the gospel in a multitude of areas. Because I think Silas actually stays. Silas stays there, but Paul leaves because they're like, well, Paul spoke, so he needs to go. And then he goes and they are with the Bereans. And yeah, so we see in, in everywhere he goes, whether it's Berea, whether it's Athens, and uh, even farther than that, like he's preaching the gospel. He's going to the groups of people. He's going to the synagogues. And he's preaching the gospel through uh, their understanding of culture, their understanding of faith, uh, their understanding of the arts. We're going to see that as well. Well, if you look at verse 11, it says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Love that. I love that because they didn't just take him for his word. They studied the scriptures uh, and they made sure that what they believed and what he was saying matched up. So I feel like in that way, he's teaching them to take personal responsibility and accountability for why they believe what they believe. And that's a part of what the Great Commission is all about, is having that answer for the hope that we believe in. And I think this is a great practice for today. I think there's a lot of people who enter into a church building on Sunday or Wednesday Bible study or something of that nature, and they're basically like, hey, 
this is what the pastor said. I'm going to take it as gospel instead of looking at, I mean, and nowadays we have Bibles everywhere. We can look the scriptures up online. We can find them in uh, the YouVersion Bible app, or you can just find a Bible in your house. You have a thought. Yeah, I do. I'm just trying to figure out how to say it. Um, with the fact that like we do have such easy access to scripture, I feel like the Bible might be intimidating for some people to read because it doesn't play out like a story that they might be familiar it's, with. It's not chronological. But there's so many different there's so many different versions of the Bible that are available. There's bound to be one that is like, okay, this is the scripture in a way that I can understand it clearly and fully. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with people leaning on what the pastor says. Um, but I do believe, take the time. You know, take the time to jot down notes while you while your pastor is speaking. Jot down the, the Bible references that they make. And then cross-reference it. Go back and read those. and And just try to get an understanding. But... We're kind of stepping away from subjects, so I kind of want to go back. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about the Bereans, or are you ready to talk about his time in Athens? Yeah, let's jump into Athens real quick. We're going to speak briefly on Berean in Athens, only because he doesn't seem to spend a lot of time there. Um, It's that next section that we're going to talk about the most. So let's quickly go over Bereans, and then, well, not sorry, we'll go over Athens, and then we'll go from there. So he gets to Athens, and um, I like this. It says in verse 16, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, um, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he gets into an area where he sees that people are worshiping like the wrong God. Mm -hmm. So he kind of, and I don't think he ever did it in a disrespectful way. But again, he puts himself into that position where he can go, look, the idols that you're, or the, the God that you're trying to connect with is not found by man-made items. It's, here's how you find that God. Well, in the ancient Greek world, they literally had a pantheon of gods because they had a God for each and every attribute that you could find and think to be available because that's how they understood their world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like that, that's why I'm, I'm very thankful that he didn't just go in and destroy the idols. He just spoke to them and said, look, I see that you're trying to reach for understanding. Here's where you're going to find understanding. And he does that in the next place. Um, in the next section, we're going to talk about verse 22 all the way to the end of the chapter, which is 34. Um, and he's in... Arapagus, I'm, I'm going to assume that's what it's called. But here we actually get his words, right? It's not just, a, oh, he spoke the gospel and people believed. It's, it's, it's an actual sermon. Um, I don't want to read the whole sermon over, mm-hmm. but are there any things in there that you thought would have been, you know, make a good point or something you wanted to highlight? Well, I liked how he... He starts off by almost commending them for the fact that they they are religious. Yeah. He spent time in the city. And then he talks about that the God that he serves does not live in a temple that was made by people. 
Um, he says, rather he, meaning God, gives himself, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact that um, the the people of that time, they had poets, and their saying actually was from verse 28, we are his, meaning God's offspring. So because we're God's offspring, like, don't think about these idols as what God is. Like, mm-hmm. God can't be made out of precious metals or stones or things like gold or silver. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he quoted a poet of that time. And I'm fairly certain this poet that he's quoting, um, they're not a, a, a faith-based uh, poet, right? They're, they're probably very secular. They probably have a lot of questions and, and you know what they think are answers. And he's saying, look, it's okay that this individual is asking questions. Or trying to understand the world. But we need to point them to Jesus. And I love what you had, what you had pointed out. God is not a God that looks like or is made of stone or silver or metal. Uh, because God is, is... This is hard to kind of put it into words. But he's, there's not a human... There's not a form to him. The, but we are his offspring. And he talks about the fact um, that now, like, in verse 30, God wants the people to repent because Paul is letting them know that he is going to come and he is going to judge them. Mm-hmm. Um, it says he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Um and I feel like this concept of, okay, Jesus has been resurrected and he's going to come and he's going to judge people, that might have been something that they could relate with, you know? Yeah. And I think this is, again, this is an important message for us. In, in our society, um, we live in a really t- a tough time where people take the slightest criticism as hatred and judgment. Well, and we know that the Athenians, the people of Athens, at this time, the thing that they loved to do was to sit around and discuss new ideas. Yeah. And Paul is just bringing up, like, all he's doing is pointing them to Jesus and saying, look at who Jesus was as a man. Learn about the fact that he was resurrected and understand that he did that because he... God loves you and God wanted to be in a, in a relationship with you um, without any barriers. Because Paul was saying, hey, even among your own temples, you have a temple to the unknown God. And I'm here to say that's probably the God that I serve. That was his message. And he actually, he said, he's like, you have, exactly, you have a temple to this unknown God. And he basically says, let me point you to God. So that that temple can be for God. Not for an unknown God, but so you actually know who this God is. Well, and the message of Jesus, the reason that he had his life and his ministry, was so that we can be reconciled back to the God who loves us. I I truly believe in everybody's heart. Um, 
deep down, like at the core of who they are, they want to be connected with something greater than themselves. And a lot of times I think people think that quote unquote spirituality or this new age, whatever, right? Like, and I, when you bring up God, when you bring up Jesus, when you bring up church, usually what comes up is, is bad memories, but it, and I guess that's my encouragement is if you have a bad connection to any of these things, um, well, one, you're not the only one, but the God that created you, like wants that communication with you with no boundaries. That's why he sent his son to die so that those barriers can be broken down so that you can have a perfect connection with God. Well, and like Anthony was saying, even though you all are going to be listening to this on Monday, it's still Easter weekend. And Easter yeah. is the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. And that is truly how God wants to reach out and connect with us by saying like, hey, I sent my son in human form to be with you and dwell among you and have these human experiences so that you can like relate to me absolutely um other than that there's i don't feel like we need to hit too much more of this chapter because that was a that was most of it mm -hmm. um but i do just want to say you know if you guys do feel again distant from god you have questions about jesus speak to someone you trust who you know would know about it so maybe a pastor someone you feel a connection with if that is us talk to us hit us up go to beautifulfeetentertainment.com you can contact us there um face not facebook side but instagram twitter you can contact us on there beautiful feet entertainment and you know we i am willing to have these conversations with you um and I, it will be in a respectful way i will not attack I will do yeah I will just basically let you know um, that you're loved that you're cared for and you know that we want to be in community with you because God wants to be in community with all of us so for next week we're gonna be jumping into Acts chapter 18 um, but yeah this weekend is Easter for us it's a really big holiday i feel like not just in the christian world but also in the secular world as well people are celebrating the coming of spring and I, again you're gonna hear this after but i hope you guys had a great easter spend it with your families if you didn't spend it with your families either on a you know a phone call um facetime or however you want to communicate take time out this week and just speak with your family like let let them know you're okay, see if they're okay, and just make that connection again. Because these holidays are meant not only to point us to God, but they're meant to point us to, to family. And, you know, for us to spend quality time with each other. So I hope that's what you did, and I hope that's what you continue to do. Uh, on that note, is there anything more that we need to add? Is there anything else about the particular resurrection story, so Jesus' death and his burial and rising again, that you might want to touch on? I can't think of anything. Is there anything that you feel like we need to touch on? Well, 
this week was Holy Week. So in the church calendar, you have Palm Sunday, which celebrates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's riding on the donkey. People are putting their coats and palm branches like down on the road for him, and they're cheering for him. So he has the approval of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was Monday, Thursday, so it's the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. Friday, which is today when we're recording this, is when Jesus was crucified. And then he was taken down. After he died, he was buried in a tomb. It was guarded by soldiers. But then when that Sunday morning came, the women were going to the tomb to prepare the body, and the stone was rolled away. So they just excitedly went and told the disciples. and Because Jesus, like after he resurrected, he spent, what, 40 or 50 days among people before he ascended in heaven let's put it this way he didn't just disappear into heaven like he was eyewitnessed by over 500 people um and that that's huge because at that point most of those people were either believers or they became a believer and we even had uh thomas who literally felt the wounds in Jesus's hands side to prove to 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 Thomas that he was not a ghost or an apparition or anything like that he was flesh cuz crucifixion was a very brutal way to die and we know that Jesus had also been previously flogged before he had to carry his cross and he was so weak that Simon had to come and help him carry it a portion of the way Crucifixion was, um, it was meant for the most um, harsh criminals. That's what it was for. And during this time, there would have been a lot of people in Jerusalem because they would have been coming from around the world. Observant Jewish believers would have been coming to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And they would put him, you know, they would put these prisoners out, those those who were crucified, right outside the city on a hill so everybody would see them. It was not a private affair. This was everybody knew about it. And Jesus even prayed in the garden at Gethsemane, Lord, please take this cup from me. Like he, he was like, if there's any other way, you know, that's what I would have. He was yeah. under an intense period of stress but we know that when he was on the cross he was there because of his love for us Mm -hmm. people that would live centuries later and you know it's one of those things that when you really think about it it's miraculous because he died for people he'd never met But he knew by name, and we believe this because the Bible's so, so detailed on how God knows our name, God knows our struggle, God knows what we're dealing with, even in this time right now. So I hope, I pray for all of you, um, that if you don't know who Jesus is, please seek, you know, go to, start talking to people who you know who go to church. Uh, start reaching out to local churches and pastors. Just reach out to us, whoever, to point you to who Jesus is. Because 
our belief is that Jesus and believing in him and having him as your Lord and Savior is the only way for you to get to heaven because mm. that's what we're taught. Now, out in the world, the world in a secular sense says that there are many different pathways to get to God. I've always looked at it this way, okay? So, I look at it this way. If there's one true God, then I can't imagine there would be one God that would make a multitude of ways to get to Him. Just like, you know, when you're in a relationship, especially a romantic relationship, there's really only one way to woo or to, to love that individual. You have to figure out what that is. Like, the things that may interest another individual in a romantic way may not be what interests your spouse. I look at it that way. We, we were created by one God, therefore there's one way to really have a, a relationship with God. And that's what heaven truly is. When you have that one, that, that relationship with God to where, again, you are in perfect relationship with zero boundaries. There's nothing blocking you from God, nothing blocking God from you. You're just in community. And I, that is what heaven is. It's not just a place, but it, it's, there's more to it than that. It's, it's community. Um, so anything else we need to dive into? Just thank you so much for tuning in. And we really hope that you have a happy Easter. And like Anthony said, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. But other than that, happy Easter, you guys. Happy Easter. I'm going to go ahead and pray before we end. And we'll go ahead and end from there. Father God, we thank you um, for your sacrifice, for your son's sacrifice on that cross that allows us to build that perfect relationship with you that breaks down the barriers and helps us to answer the most difficult of questions. I pray for those families right now who are hurting, uh, who need hope due to either coronavirus or um, maybe their own financial issues, whatever it may be. I just know that you, that you bring hope and that's what the Bible is about. That's what this relationship is about, is having hope um, in the most difficult of times. I pray, God, that you would be amongst the families this weekend. Help them to connect. Help them to connect throughout the week as well so that they can also have community within their families. We pray, God, for um, jobs to open up, for the economy just to start to shift back to uh, where it needs to be. And I just pray for open hearts as well, that people who need Jesus would seek after Jesus, um, knowing that he's right there, ready to embrace us, to love us, and to really guide us to who you are, Jesus. I pray this in your name, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of the week, and once again, Happy Easter. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.